Ahoy, and welcome in to another mind-expanding episode of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Magler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health, treatment, the process, all that good stuff. Alongside me, as always, is Mariska, the three-toothed Patterdale Terrier. And she is licking her paws, and I think it's slightly passive-aggressive. She's annoyed with me at this moment because I forgot my headphones, and so I had to go from the basement to the main floor to upstairs. And Mariska likes a lot of things, but she does not love stairs. And, you know, I told her she could wait, but she didn't want to wait. She doesn't trust that I'm not going to abandon her. So she followed me up all those stairs, Then I got the headphones, and she came all the way back down. So she's licking her paws. And we know what that also means. We know that when Mariska's licking her paws, it means we have not always been rating, reviewing, following, and telling a friend. Some of you may be listening to this on Spotify. Some might be listening to it on Apple Podcasts. And for those people who like YouTube, all of the interview podcasts are now up on YouTube. So if I am interviewing somebody else, that can be visible there. I have to decide, well, I'd love your feedback on whether you want these individual episodes to also go up onto YouTube. Um, I don't know, it feels a little weird. It would just be me staring at the camera. I think there might be one of those up there. So email me at daniel.magler at live.com if you would like those to go up there or email me and Mariska with any questions that you might have about mental health. Last week, I had a conversation with the brother of one of the former students that I lost to suicide. And he wants to do something with his loss. You know, Patrick Romer's family, they decided to start Poster Patrick. And for them and for me, being involved with an organization that came out of that tragedy of Patrick's death has really helped to feel like that loss was not for nothing. And this young man, he's a professional in the banking world. He wants to take his pain and he wants to do something good with it. He talked about how when he was in college, his roommate had a mental health crisis and no one had really prepared him as a young man for how do I support someone? And he wants to go out and start to give people concrete tools about what can they do. So we were messaging back and forth and we scheduled a call and we're going to schedule more of them. And I thought there are a number of people. And if you've, if you're an avid fan of the podcast and you see all of our guests, I would say at least probably about 50% of our guests are clinicians and about 50% of our guests are just normal people who have some connection to mental health. So if you're listening to this right now and you're saying, yeah, I have a unique perspective on mental health because I am a person of XYZ category who I've never really heard talked about my experience and trying to find mental health support. Um, One of my former students may come on where we've been talking back and forth because they have experience as a trans person trying to get health coverage, as a person who has had um, no insurance trying to get health coverage, as a person who is Hispanic trying to get a therapist who fits them. So the question is, who would be a good person to share about their mental health experience? And the answer is anybody who has something that they want to share and say. Anybody that has a takeaway, you listening to this right now, you might be a person that inside your brain is an experience that if somebody else heard about it, it could save them some pain. Wisdom is knowledge gained through life experience. I think about Heather Hester, who um, 
her her website, Chrysalis Mama. She was on our the show talking about, again, her experience as a parent trying to help her son through a mental health challenge and crisis and some addiction issues and only realizing then that or through that process that so much of his pain came from being queer and not being able to be out and now dedicating her life to helping other parents who aren't sure what to do when they hear these things because there's someone who can benefit from your wisdom it doesn't mean it's your job to share it you are under no obligation to be the expert in the room when things like mental health come up or if you are a person of you know who a, a minority group of any sort you should never feel pressure to have to represent the group that you're a part of for others benefit but if you do have these experiences inside of you your experience is valid i have people reach out to me about being on the podcast and i'm really open to that and i have you know, the question that you may say is, how do I decide who comes onto the podcast? Who do I want as a guest? So the people that you're generally going to hear on here are people who I think I have something to learn from. <laughs> it's kind of a selfish process, but if you're hearing somebody on here, it's because I figure no one else might listen to this podcast, but in creating it, I'm at least going to learn something. I'm going to get somebody who can help educate me. And we've had some people talking about things like EMDR or, you know, just anything that psychoanalytic theory or whatnot. And because even though I'm a clinician and I work in this field every day, there's so much more out there and there always will be. If I was doing this for 200 years, there would be so much that I wasn't familiar with, didn't understand. So I'm looking for people who might help a listener to know, oh, that might be a good thing. Maybe some you know, trauma yoga would be a good thing for me to check out after hearing about that experience from someone who is a practitioner. Or, again, just like Dallas Goodlett, our, my, one of my recent guests, just talking about what it was like to be adopted. I had one of a student who just graduated message me and saying, hey, like this really resonates for me. And so whoever you are, if you have that experience and you're willing to share. Now, again, do you we know it's a very low barrier for entry for creating your own podcast. And sometimes you have to think, okay, who is my audience? Who am I trying to reach? When I was talking to the brother of the student that I lost, right now he envisions himself talking to high school students. And what I let him know is that talking to high school or elementary school students can be really challenging in that schools are very suspicious of anybody who wants to come in. They're saying, okay, how do we know that you're legit? How do we know that you're not selling something? How do we know that you are um, a healthy and appropriate person to be around our kids? So they are going to be, schools are conservative institutions by their nature. I said, perhaps you might have an easier time, you know, connecting with uh, college uh, campus life people because the bar for um, security and safety is not quite as high when working with all the list when everyone who's listening is over 18 years old. So again, but the more important thing is what is the message that we want to get out? What, how is that message different from all the things that are already out there? So I gave him some homework that he's going to be checking into is who else is sharing the kind of message that I want to share. And is it specifically like, for example, he was talking about how, you know, as a young man, he didn't really know when his roommate was going through things, what the tools were to how he could get his roommate to more support. Well, is that something that is 
specific more? Like who is that message for young men or is it for everybody? So drilling down a little further of who's going to be able to benefit from most from that. Now, as I'm saying that, I feel kind of a hypocrite because on this podcast, I'm saying mental health and it's very broad and I could probably be more targeted into who I'm trying to help. Obviously, my expertise as for 20 years of working in high schools is with adolescents, but I've also, again, been in private practice working for people, you know, younger and older, people in their 50s and their 70s occasionally. So I don't want to limit what we talk about on here to things that are just adolescent related, even though adolescents are my main expertise. So I think if you have a message that you want to get out there, starting with saying, okay, who do I want to share my message with and why? What am I hoping that they will benefit from? For example, my uh, super former client student who shared her experience of being like pregnancy with mental health and how you navigate that process. I think for her, just wanting others to benefit from her experience. And again, she's someone that we may have back on the podcast again. Someone I just, you know, there's so much I can, I learn from her. There's so much I learn from all of my clients. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend all of them go on the podcast because many of you who are listening to this think, I do not want my name out there. I was, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but uh, it's now we just moved into June. And every year during the month of May, Pastor Patrick has these uh, yard signs that just raise awareness about mental health. And so I had my yard sign up in front of my house. And my mother-in-law was a little bit skeptical She's looking at it, it's like, do you really want people to know that you've got this kind of connection to mental health issues? I said, yes, yes, I do. I'm very comfortable with that. But for her, for some people, it's kind of putting what feels like a target of on yourself, making you vulnerable, letting others know that you've experienced something. And if you are listening to this, if you're not comfortable with that, that's totally fine. I was talking to another client yesterday and he, uh, he and his girlfriend, they just moved in together. It's exciting. And she is a person who wants to be very out and forward about being an LGBTQIA ally. And he has a sibling who's in the queer community and wants to be really supportive, but he doesn't want, you know, like for her work, for his uh, girlfriend's work, there's an opportunity maybe to be in, on a float in the pride parade. And she's so excited about it. And she's like, we'll get you up there too. And he's like, uh, um, he's like, it's not that I'm not supportive. I am, but that's just not, I don't like to be a person that's out front with my life, with my experience. And that is totally valid. And I said to him that because of that, because you guys have different ways of being allies, he may be the person who's more able to have a conversation with someone who is saying something skeptical. He might be able to help a person who has a worldview that's more conservative or, and again, it doesn't matter whether conservative, liberal, whichever, but when you are not as out front with your beliefs, people will project onto you. And we talked about before the great fallacy, this idea that if you meet a person, you like them and you think they're intelligent, you assume they agree. They have similar beliefs to you in most areas. I was you know, playing lacrosse the other night and a guy, he knows I'm relatively liberal and he's extremely conservative, but he was making some, you know, off-color jokes, things like that. And just 
again, he does it to a certain extent to make me uncomfortable and to see which ones I'll interrupt. But at the same time, you know, that this belief that, okay, hey, I think this is funny. Won't you think this is funny too? And in some ways, his humor, it is funny because just silly. Like his delivery is very silly and his timing is very good. But, you know, it's now it's this opportunity because I am not always projecting I'm right, you're wrong, any kind of aggressive stance. He might be able to hear me when I am interrupting him. For my client, he is nervous he's going to be going to a wedding. And some of the people at the wedding are of a more conservative bent. And he has a little anxiety that his fiance, or she's not his fiance, yeah, I should say, but his girlfriend, not uh, not saying they're going to get married, but anyway, it seems to be heading that way in my mind. But anyway, um, that his girlfriend, if, if she is confronted in a conversation, she's not backing down and she will bring things up. And he's like, I love that about her. But I also want to make sure that this this wedding is about the couple and that she's not going to get in an argument with one of my drunk college friends who may have a different viewpoint than her. Again, she would be the kind of person who would be very excited to be on a podcast sharing her views. She wants to change the world right now and she has a hard time waiting for the world to catch up because she sees people suffering. And again, he loves that about her. He wants to make the world a kinder, better place for his sibling. He has multiple siblings who have issues and and obviously he's gone through his own mental health challenges. That's why he's talking with me. But there are so many ways to do that. So coming back to this idea, should you, who's listening to this, should you become a public speaker? Should you become a podcast guest? Should you do any of that? Well, again, always for me, I had so many people telling me over the years, you should write a book, you should write a book. (laughs) And as I said, for those who've been listening for a while, I don't write a book because I love books, I'm a bibliophile, and yet whenever I encourage my clients or other people to read a book, um, they're like, yeah, thanks, uh, no. So I thought rather than writing a book, and who knows, maybe someday I will, but I'm going to put just my thoughts out there in media like this, which might be a little bit more consumable. Speaking of books, if you are a person that reads, and again, I am a huge fan, and if you're listening to a podcast, you might be a fan of audiobooks. So a free plug right now for Libby, which if you belong to a public library, it's a free app where you, and it used to be called Overdrive, where you might be able to download free audiobooks. And I am obsessed with it. I am listening to things all the time. And I just listened to a book, Lady Chatterley's Lover. I had heard of this book and I just, you know, I decided, you know what, I don't want to do another biography right now. I don't want to do um, science fiction fantasy. I just want to do maybe something that I looked in the search terms of more literature. I said, hey, I'll little, do a little lifting weights my, with my brain and do something that might be a little bit more um, something I haven't seen yet. And this book was written in the 1930s. And my gosh, if, if you thought that challenges about sexuality were new. (laughs) This book is about a woman who is in a very unhappy marriage. And she's having to navigate this desire for sexuality, sensuality, connection. And I've never encountered a book, you know, nothing, again, this book was written almost 90 years ago, but where these characters are dealing with the same things I'm seeing with my clients all the time. There's a at the time it was written, this book was banned in many English-speaking countries because there are graphic descriptions of sexuality in it. 
but it's not pornographic. And that's what some people mistake is that just because there is a graphic discussion of something, it makes it, you know, its sole purpose is designed to arouse. No, this book is sad. And you can see, I've never read it in any literature where people are, they're trying to connect and they're missing each other. That the same act of one person is thinking someone, their partner is having a certain experience that they're just, their experience is totally different from that. There's a sadness and a malaise. And when we think about the author and the time that it's being written, they've come through the, a pandemic. They've come through World War I. It's about you know 10 years or so later when he's writing. And there's a fatalism that maybe the world is just crap and it's never going to get any better. And I feel a lot of that nowadays. I feel people thinking, gosh, the environment is just burning up and nobody seems to care and nobody seems to be in charge. And, and yet, again, that feeling has been around. And here we still stand. And as frustrating as many things are in society right now, it's a lot better. The perspective is a lot better than for, you know, D.H. Lawrence, who is, you know, just coming off of one world war and another one was going to start shortly after his death. That, you know, again, things seem bad, but they've been worse and they can get better. You, for most people who are listening to this, you have gone through some painful life experiences. And when you are daunted by what you see ahead of you, you just have to look back over your shoulder at all the mountains you've already crossed. And you'll realize that the mountains that are ahead of you are no bigger or no harder to cross. You can do this. And if you wish, you may have something else to share. So start by, and this is a benefit to anybody, to to writing just the three-page version, the three to five-page version of your story. To make it even more concrete, you may start with a timeline of you. And this is incredibly beneficial. We've talked about this before. When you're starting with a new therapist, if someone came in and they handed me a timeline of them from before birth to up to the present day, these are the major experiences in my life, good and bad, which kind of made me who I am today. That's going to help this therapist to assist you. But it's also going to just start to say, what is my story? Any pain can be born if we put it into context. And so why did I go through these things? What am I telling myself about that? And what I find with so many people on the podcast that come on as my guests, they are people who have experienced all of them, whether they're clinicians or not, have experienced their life wounds. And they're not done. They're going to have future life wounds. And they may still be actively in the process of healing. But they've decided to take their pain and do something with it. And it makes them feel powerful. So if you are someone who's tired of letting your pain dictate, you can be someone who gives that back. One of my student, uh, former uh, clients, I should say, a former student who talked about here before, she has, she has an Instagram all about her health journey of a person with a rare disease. And she inspires people by the pictures and the stories that she puts out there. She's still very much in the middle of it. But she's not waiting for life to be perfect before she can inspire others and take her story and give that out. So if you want to figure out how can I tell my story? How can I refine it? Who needs to hear it? I'm happy to brainstorm that with you just like I am with the brother student that I lost. And you can email me at daniel.makler at live.com. But remember, we all have a story. We all have something valuable and powerful.
we all have something valuable and powerful to share. I was saying that and I accidentally hit the wrong button and it cut me off before I could sign off and say goodbye. So use your challenges, your history, your experience to help yourself to share with others when it's right for you to do so. And do whatever it takes to get you through this world. And remember, you are not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog, Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.